Steve Z and the Truth Hurts program. Telling it like it is. Good afternoon, everyone. It is August 17th, 2020. This is the Truth Hurts program. I've been away from the microphone for about a week now. Many of you who know me know that I had a terrible tragedy in my immediate family last week. I found my 30-year-old son deceased in his childhood home. It's hell to lose a child. I hope you never, ever have to endure such pain, such tragedy. You're losing a part of yourself, literally. Someone you watched from birth, through early childhood, through school, and through accomplishments, through pain, and then through deliverance. I was reticent in reading a eulogy because I knew it was about my own son. Although I've read eulogies at other funerals throughout my time on the planet, although I've been in public relations and media and given training classes and speeches throughout my career, I didn't think I had within me the ability to speak coherently without breaking down about my son who left us far too early. But it's been over a week now, and as the flowers from the funeral begin to wither, and the letters and emails and messages and phone calls of condolence begin to fade, I thought I'd share with you my eulogy that I read for my son. Excuse me. Somewhere out in the cosmos, there's a small spinning body which orbits a yellow star. It is a beautiful place created by a loving God. On this spinning orb, animals and birds and fish and insects were placed by God to dwell among the plants and the oceans and the skies. And God also placed upon this planetary body a special creature known as man. Not just man, but also woman. And from these two distinctive creatures... God bestowed intelligence and free will and the power of procreation. He gave the man and the woman the ability to choose what they wanted to do with their existence. Now, God did set down some basic rules and provided the free will to allow the man and the woman and their offspring to do pretty much whatever they wanted. He did provide some boundaries, however, and warned of consequences that would occur if the man or the woman or the progeny ventured outside the boundaries. Man, being man, tested those boundaries throughout history, pushed the limits, and many learned the consequences for straying from the righteous path set forth by the Creator. In the history of history, there have been some 140 billion or so people to pass through the gates of this amusement park called Earth. At present, There are just shy of 8 billion souls walking on this earth. And we are one less soul this day 
Free will is a tremendous blessing and a curse rolled up into a civilization that exists based on the boundaries set forth by God. When we obey the rules, we reap the incredible benefits of the gift of life bestowed upon us. When we color outside the lines, however, we endure the not-so-enjoyable side of the free will equation. My son Jonathan was a wonderful, intelligent, talented, witty, outspoken, loving, handsome, caring, and sarcastic man. He possessed and applied all of the intelligence and the high IQ bestowed upon him into being a great guy. He learned and he grew and he was equipped with all the knowledge that he acquired regarding right versus wrong from his parents and his teachers. Like most children, John had a desire to succeed and an almost insatiable thirst for knowledge. John could hold his own in conversation with anyone, on any topic. He strived, as most children do, to emulate and impress his mother and his father. He actually followed dear old dad into the world of disaster insurance adjusting, helping countless families to recover from catastrophes in multiple states. He also worked hard at being a better DJ than his dad in an attempt to show respect to his father. I was very proud of him. I just don't think he realized how much. Jonathan was an avid reader on many subjects and continuously added to his knowledge base with every task he undertook. I know he had recently been trying to learn Mandarin and Croatian. He enjoyed science fiction, renaissance festivals, the pirate lifestyle, karaoke, frisbee disc golf, billiards, golf, bike riding, shooting, walking, music, and just engaging in conversation. His smile, that winning smile, the dimples, the squinting eyes, and the squinchy nose, a real heartwarming smile, a grin from ear to ear, the kind of smile that would literally light up a room. Yet with all the accomplishments Jonathan achieved in his short 30 years on this rock, with all the friendships he fostered and all the people who were enriched simply by meeting him, Jonathan, who said he was unkillable, was unable to beat one thing. Poison. Now there's no way to sugarcoat this fact. My son is not here today because of poison poison in the form of alcohol. Now, I want you to know this is a fact, but I don't want you to make this the defining description of Jonathan. John was more than the drink. He was more than alcohol. You all know this. Jonathan left us all way too soon. His struggle with alcohol, just as many other people around the world struggle with alcohol, was something even the most strong-willed person cannot overcome. Where you or I or some other people can have a drink or two and go home, the addiction for John was much more powerful. And no amount of convincing, pleading, reasoning, begging, arguing, fighting, or persuasion could overcome or overpower the chemical addiction to alcohol in the brain. Now this is proven to be fact in many medical and scientific publications Alcohol addiction for some is more powerful and unbeatable than opioids, more latching than crack cocaine, and more driving than alcohol, to, excuse me, than tobacco by far. 
Sure, it's easy to tell somebody, why don't you just quit? But when the body and the mind are addicted chemically to alcohol, it's not that simple. Oh, sure, you can place the blame on the parents or the friends or the job or the circumstances or another party. And you can even blame the victim. But the blame should squarely lie on the society that freely allows the addictive poison to be peddled at grocery stores and gas stations with no prescription, no requirement to be tested for potential addictive consequences, and in many places, no questions at all ever asked. The poor victim of this dread disease is often portrayed as a loser, a moron, or someone who simply should know better. But it is not that simple. It pains me greatly as a father losing his firstborn son at such a young age. Thirty is too damn young to die, John. Thirty should be the time when you are thriving in the world. A time when you're considering your turn to procreate and continue the great circle of life on this spinning rock. Thirty is the time where school is done and careers are being forged and your life is supposed to be getting a little bit easier. Now, if you knew Jonathan, you knew he didn't care about things like many others seem to do. He didn't have a desire for a new car or a new house or a new RV or a new boat. He was satisfied with what he had. And he would literally give you the shirt off his back if you needed it. He actually gave a barefoot man walking on the road in Florida the very shoes from his own feet one day. And I asked him, why in the hell would you do that? And he said, I have more shoes back at the RV. Simple answer. He'd give a buck to the homeless guy on the street corner or hand them a cold bottle of water because that's who John was. He taught his brother and his sister and his cousins how to play and ride a bike because he was the oldest. How to win an argument with mom and dad. He taught his cousin Andrew how to slow dance in front of the entire family because Andrew had a dance coming up. It was funny to watch, but I think Andrew will probably thank Jonathan for that lesson forever. Jonathan loved his family dearly and his friends as well. And the girl he met in high school, whom he followed to college, a girl who followed him to work many disasters in other states, a girl who endured some of the consequences John experienced in his coloring outside the lines. When Jonathan realized that the addiction to alcohol was tearing him apart, he began to withdraw inside himself, and he told his longtime girlfriend, it might be better for you and I to take a break. He was devastated by his decision. Perhaps to keep from showing his pain to his family, his friends, his co-workers, and to the girl who was his boo for one half of his short life on this spinning orb in the cosmos, Jonathan chose to keep his pain buried deep inside. It's really difficult to talk about this without crying, without blaming myself, without saying, what if I had this? What if I would have done that? What if I could have done better or differently? I understand it's all part of the grieving process. After speaking with medical professionals and learning of the realities of alcohol addiction, I realized that there's nothing I or you or anyone else, including Jonathan himself, nothing anyone could do to release him from the prison of this disease. Jonathan knew his time was short. He realized only very recently just how bad his issues were, and he tried. Oh, God, did he try. He really tried to make things better. 
He had called me a few times over the past few months and asked me to please take care of his brother and sister and make sure that they were my top priority. I told him all three of my children were my priority. He said it was too late for me, Dad. Simply, he'll be okay. Don't worry about me, he said. This, of course, made Dad worry more about him. But he simply said not to. He missed his baby sister's birthday dinner at the end of July, not because he was drunk, not because he was drinking, but because the pain inside him was completely and totally unbearable. John once told me he drank to mask the pain. The drinking caused him pain, so he drank to dull the pain. But the drinking caused the pain, but the drinking eased the pain. And so inside his body, the one thing that eased the pain also caused the pain while easing the pain. I thought he was talking about the heartbreak of breaking up with his girlfriend. I had no idea the pain he was speaking about was real, physical, internal organ failure pain. Jonathan, like many people, had strayed away from God for a while just like many other people do these days. And when Jonathan realized he was nearing his end days, he reacquainted himself with Jesus, with God and the Holy Spirit. He was really, truly trying. He had recently installed and was actively using a stop drinking app installed on his telephone, his cell phone. He had been attending AA meetings on a regular basis, but it was too late for Jonathan. John was a great man, a wonderful son, a terrific brother, a caring family member, a powerful ally, a generous, kind, giving, loving friend to everyone he met. He was jovial, fun-loving, sarcastic, witty, intelligent, handsome, and just an all-around great person. So this is what I pray you all remember about John. I sincerely hope and pray that you all remember this, the best version of John and not dwell on the one bad aspect of his time on this spinning orb in space. I pray that you all learn from his issues and look for the potential warning signs in yourselves, your family members, your friends, your co-workers. Jonathan is with his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and his Heavenly Father. He's surrounded by the Holy Spirit, the angels, the saints, his grandmother, his grandfather, and all of his relatives who have gone before him. Yes, our immediate world is one less soul today. Know that Jonathan's immediate family, his mom, his dad, his brother, his sister, his cousins, his grandmother and grandfather will always love and cherish the time that we got to spend with John. And although we are weeping his passing this day, we will always be comforted in knowing that John is no longer suffering. He's no longer in pain. He's no longer worried or depressed. I miss you dearly, my son, John, my big boy. I know your granny will miss your visits from down the street. I know your pop-pop misses Grandpa's little beefy. I'm certain that all your uncles and aunts and cousins will miss your sarcasm, your wittiness, your art of conversation, your teasing, and your hugs. Those incredible hugs. Those all-encompassing hugs from the great guy that was Jonathan. Jonathan told me on many occasions that if he ever did pass, to not mourn his death, but rather to celebrate his life. I don't want you guys to cry. I want you to have a party for me, and I'll be there in spirit. 
It's my hope that we all remember the goodness that was the heart, soul of my dear son, Jonathan. So I ask you today to say a little prayer. Celebrate the life of John as he passes through the gate between our time here on earth and the eternity of grace in which his soul dwells with the Lord. Rest in peace, my beautiful son. You are no longer in pain. I love you and I always will. Dad. Putting things into perspective and doing it with style. This is the Truth Hurts program. Here's your host, Steve Z. Jonathan's eulogy was something that I felt obligated to read and I fought back the tears but I thought it was very important that everyone understand that just because Jonathan struggled with his demons alcohol it was not who he was he was a great guy with a great smile and a great sense of humor He's a guy who knew that crunching ice aggravated his grandmother. (laughs) So he crunched ice with a smile on his face. But he also would walk down and check on his grandmother, who lived just down the street, still does, just about every day. Jonathan's obituary said, It is with great sadness that the family of Jonathan announced his passing. He passed away at his longtime family home to be with the Lord. Born in August 1989 in Hendersonville, Tennessee, a graduate of Archbishop Shaw High School in Marrero, Louisiana, Jonathan attended Southeastern Louisiana University. He was a licensed insurance adjuster, a professional DJ, and a nautical chart corrector. He is survived by his mother, Debbie, his father, Steve, his brother, Chris, and his sister, Elena, with his grandmother and grandfather and I won't read all the names of the cousins and the uncles and the aunts. Jonathan was a mountain of a man loved by everyone he met, and his wit, wisdom, natural charm, sarcasm, and infectious smile will be deeply missed. Jonathan asks that you not mourn his passing, but rather celebrate his life. In lieu of flowers, please consider a contribution in Jonathan's memory to the Foundation for Alcoholism Research, P.O. Box 31135, Chicago, Illinois, 60631, or log into to org slash support dash volunteer dash donate. I sincerely hope that this worthwhile organization will someday be able to find a way to shut down the trigger that forces some people to not be able to kick the habit of alcoholism. Once again, please consider a contribution in Jonathan's memory, Jonathan Z, to the Foundation for Alcoholism Research, P.O. Box 31135, Chicago, Illinois, 60631. Or log on to alcoholismresearch.org 
You can follow the links to the support, volunteer, and donate page. I am very thankful and blessed that we were able to hold funeral services for John. I know many people still in the midst of the COVID-19 mess were not able to have final goodbyes for their loved ones. Thank you folks for listening. I uh, hate like hell to have to utilize this format for this program for such a tragic loss, but I thought it would be relevant to my audience. And it's also therapeutic for me to be able to talk about it. This is the Truth Hurts program. And I thought the truth hurt. But losing a son hurts like hell. We'll see you next time. You have been listening to the Truth Hurts program with your host, Steve Z. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Produced at Studio 63 in association with Steve Knight Productions. In life, when all is said and done, usually much more is said than is ever done. It's up to you to do the doing. But whatever you do, do it well. No animals were harmed in the making of this program. Thanks for listening.